I missed being here last week. Uh, it was good to be there in the Dominican, but certainly missed being here. And as I understand, Rick did an excellent job. I look forward to going back and listening to his message. While we were in the Dominican, however, I celebrated, well, I'll say I, I guess Nancy and I celebrated our 28th anniversary, right? 28 years. Based on that, I still don't have this husband thing down pat. I don't know about some of you who've been married for a while, but uh, you ever find occasionally you have your foot firmly planted in your mouth um, that there are those moments when uh, you should be silent and listen, that instead you are providing the answer that you feel your wife so desperately needs so that she will hush. There are times that uh, I still put my needs ahead of her needs. And you would think after 28 years, I would have gotten it all figured out. And if you come and you want to hear, have counseling, I can, I can give you all the answers. The problem is not having the answers. The problem is actually putting them into practice on a consistent basis. Now, I don't think I'm a total dud as a husband. That's really not my call. I don't think I'm a complete failure as a husband, but I still have a long way to go even after 28 years of being married. And what I don't want to do is to adopt an attitude that I heard back in the 1970s on the old TV sitcom All in the Family. And it was spoken by a crotchety old guy named Archie Bunker. For some of you who are as old as I am, you can remember that show. You may not remember the episode when he was actually being encouraged to work on his marriage with Edith. And his response was, why keep running when you've already caught the bus? <laughs> That's really not healthy for your marriage. And so this week and next week, we're going to talk about husbands and wives, and we're going to do it from a biblical, godly perspective. Today, we want to focus on husbands. And when God's word speaks to the role of husbands, it speaks to every Christian man, no matter how long ago it was that you said, I do. And for all of us who are Christian husbands, and for all of us who are perhaps future Christian husbands, we need to sit up, listen up, and step up to be the husband that God has called us to be, to meet the needs of our wives, to be a role model for our family, and to be a role model for the world. This world desperately needs to see godly men taking up their role as the spiritual leaders of their homes. And even in the church, where you think it would be commonplace, it's not so much. And so this morning, I'd like to draw your attention to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at these verses 21 to 33. We'll actually be back here next week as we look at wives. But today we want to focus on... On husbands, it's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. You'll find in your handout that there's uh, just a bunch of lines. And so if you were saying, oh, well, I don't have to look it up because it's right there on my handout. No, that's not so much. Uh, we didn't really have the time to put everything together on a short week to get you complete notes. But you will have, if you have forgotten your Bible, you will have it up here on the screen for you. It's Ephesians chapter 5, beginning reading in verse 21. Would you stand with me in the honor of a reading of God's true and holy word this morning? 
Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as the church is the head, of, as, the, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Father, would you help us to begin today to understand this word, but not only understand it, to begin to apply it in our lives in a very intentional way. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. We need to begin by saying that the Bible is speaking to a uniquely Christian community. That's important because what we're talking about is God's ideal for us. Would it be better for other marriages? Sure. But God, when he's talking to us here, is talking about Christian marriage, his ideal for us. And this, to be honest, is impossible to do well without spiritual power without an infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we were to back up a little bit from the scripture we just read and kind of get a running start, we would have stumbled across in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, this little admonition, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now again, it's talking about relationships here within the church and he moves into the family relationship. But I got to tell you, this is absolutely essential This is critical if you're going to have a godly Christian marriage, and that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is crucial to understand this is the most important resource that you have for having a godly marriage. Being submitted to and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You can go to all kinds of seminars You can read all kinds of books and you can go back many times and listen to these sermons over and over again and sermons by far better preachers than I. But if you want to know what the number one resource for your marriage is, it's God's infilling with his spirit, a spiritual power that will enable you to behave in ways that you wouldn't normally behave, make decisions you wouldn't normally make, and live in such a way that you bring honor and glory to Him. And so the power for this kind of husband-wife relationship is the Holy Spirit. But there's a principle that we also see, and that's where we started in verse 21, and that principle is mutual submission, and we need to understand that. Before we read anything about wives submitting to their husbands, we read, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? Because we don't need to gloss it over. We don't just need to put it on the back burner. 
And it is this. We are called as followers of Jesus Christ to put the needs of others ahead of our own needs. And there's no place where that's more critical than in your marriage relationship. Putting the need of your husband or your wife ahead of your own needs. If no one has told you this, you need to hear this. You are not the center of your marriage. But neither is your spouse. The center of your marriage is Jesus Christ. If it's a Christian marriage, the center of your marriage is Jesus Christ. And because you are willingly submitting yourself to Him as Lord, then you're also willing to submit yourself to serving your spouse. This is the responsibility of every follower of Jesus Christ. So let's, with those two pieces put in place, let's take a look at what God has to say about the role of the husband here in Ephesians chapter 5. He begins by saying this, husbands love your wives. Husbands love your wives. And this word love, the words that Paul could have been led by the Spirit to choose he picks this word, which is, comes from the noun that we know as agape, that you perhaps have heard. It's God's kind of love. It is a love without condition. It is a love that is sacrificial. It is a love that is giving and forgiving. It is a love that is consistent. Then change with the winds. But a love that is steady, regardless of what life brings your way. This is the command to husbands. Husbands, love your wives with this kind of love. And you go, oh, well, wow, he made that so simple. Well, if you think that's simple, you haven't tried it yet. You see, when, when, when the, the scriptural lawyers, the Jewish lawyers came to Jesus and said, Master, tell us what's the greatest command of all these 613 commands in the Old Testament. What's the greatest of commands? Jesus boiled it all down to love God with all you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. And that sounds so easy until you begin to live it. And the same thing is true with husbands and wives. It sounds so easy to just, just say, love your wife until you understand what love is and the kind of love with which we are called to love. It is a divine love. A love that is made possible as we come to understand God's love for us. We're going to delve into that a little bit more. But husbands, I need to let you know what it doesn't say here. Because sometimes it's just as important to know what the Bible doesn't say as to know what it does say. Because we tend to want to twist it and make it into something it's not. Having read that entire portion of Scripture, notice that the Bible does not say to us, Husbands, take authority over your wives. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, Husbands, rule over your wives. It doesn't say, Husbands, make your wives submit to you. It says, Love your wives. Husbands, Love your wives. And how are we to love our wives? Well, God's word goes on to tell us, just as Christ loved the church. Now that concept of love begins to be defined for us. 
It is not a romantic kind of love, essentially. It is not a sexual kind of love, a sexual kind of intimacy. There's something more here, something deeper here, something that God defines for us. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Well, how does Christ love the church? Romans 5, 8 helps us to understand that. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait until we got our lives put all together. He didn't wait until we dealt with all of our issues. While we were still stained by and steeped in our sins, Christ died for us. Husbands, listen. If you're waiting for your wife to get it all together before you start loving her. If you're waiting for your wife to deal with all her issues before you start loving her. If you're waiting for your wife to figure it all out, to get a handle on her emotions, to begin to love her, then you're missing the point. We are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And Christ loved the church while we were still unlovable. There are certain times when we as husbands and wives aren't very lovable. At least that's been my experience. There are times that we're selfish and self-centered. There are times when, quite frankly, we say things and do things that are mean. Can we still love even in those circumstances? Well, if our love is not based on how we feel, but is based on the love that God can fill us and wants to fill us with, the love that God has shown to us, then yes, Because God's love for us was decisive, active, and sacrificial. His is the model. Just as Christ loved the church. Now, he goes on to help us understand it even more. He says, and and gave himself up for her. So it's not just a love. Now it's a love where he gives himself up for her. Now, one of the things you need to notice about Jesus is that he knew exactly why he came to earth, and he never ran from that. He knew the cross lay in his path, and he never ran from that. In fact, in in Luke's gospel, tells a beautiful, beautiful image. It said he set his face toward Jerusalem. And that is, if you've seen the faces on Mount Rushmore, they are fixed and unmoving. Because they're set in stone. That is the way Jesus' face was set toward Jerusalem. He was going. He knew there was a rejection. He knew there was condemnation. 
He knew there was betrayal. He knew there was beating. He knew there was a cross. And he knew there was the bearing of all the sins of humanity. He knew it. And yet he set his face for Jerusalem. Husbands, I've got to tell you, it is that kind of dogged determination that will save your marriage. Set your face towards loving your wife. This is what it says in John 10. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay down my life of my own accord. I, yes, you will see me being captured by Romans. You will see swords and spears, but you need to understand at any moment, I could have called down the legions of heaven and wiped them out and walked out of this deal. I chose to die. No one takes my life. I lay it down. Jesus put the needs of sinful humanity ahead of his own Uh, standing eternally united with his father from all eternity and yet to bear the sins of humanity and to have that relationship broken he was willing to endure that for us he endured the shame he endured the pain he endured the rejection he endured the condemnation the bible tells us that he found his joy in laying down his life in order to bring us back into a right, right relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, For the joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Husbands, we need to understand what you're going through right now, the trials, the troubles, the hardships that you're going through right now, this is not the end. There's something better on the other side. Stick it out. Stay with it. Set your face towards loving your wife. I don't care if she's acting like the witch of the month. Set your face toward loving your wife. Why? Not because she deserves it. But because you're called to love like Christ loved. And quite frankly, if I had to deserve Christ's love to get it, I'd have never gotten it. Your wife doesn't have to deserve your love, but you have to give it. He goes on. I mean, it's like a constant unfolding to make her holy. I don't know what your goals are for your marriage. Some of you may have some very lofty goals. Yes, we want to. We want to save our money, put our money aside. We want to retire. We want to move, and we want to become missionaries somewhere. Boy, that then that that's wow, cool. Some of you, your goal is, I just want to get through this week without us killing each other. So maybe your goals aren't quite as lofty. But we're shown here the highest goal that a husband can have for his wife and family to make his wife holy husbands your wife's holiness is your priority don't miss this more than her happiness more than her material needs being met 
The priority for you as a Christian husband is the holiness of your wife. Know Jesus' priority for his bride. This is what it says. is to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus is the head of the church. In other words, he's the spiritual leader of the church. And husbands are called to be the spiritual leaders in their homes. And that does not mean we're to be passive or uninvolved and negligent. Instead, we are to actively pursue the spiritual welfare of our wife, of, of our wife and of our children. When we stand before God, men, husbands, when we stand before God, we will not only have to give account for our own spiritual lives. Listen, you will have to give account for how you've led the family, the wife and the children that God has entrusted to you. Now, does that mean they might, they can go off and do things that are completely outside of what you've taught them and shown them and, and modeled for them? Absolutely. You're not going to be held responsible for that, but you will be held responsible for how you lead your family. Husbands, don't miss this. God has called you to be the spiritual leader of the home, not the spiritual dictator of your home, not the spiritual czar of your home, but to be the spiritual leader of your home and to love your wife as Christ loved the church and to have her holiness to have her spiritual well-being, to have her spiritual welfare as a priority in your life. Has anyone ever told you that before? If not, I'm sorry. It is a profound thing that will change the way you view marriage if we can just, not just understand it, but begin to apply it. Perhaps you're sitting here thinking, well, pastor, that's kind of heavy stuff. And as I look at this, it's Ephesians chapter 5, and I know Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, but, you know, the Bible really only says this in one place, and so, you know, if it's just in one place, maybe it's not that important, and I can kind of go away and ignore this and pretend that I didn't hear it this morning. But here's the deal. God understands that men are hard-headed. He made us. He understands the men are hard-headed. And so he said, you know, I, I know there's some guy going to be sitting in, uh, in Greensboro, Georgia on July 7, 2013. He's going to be sitting there thinking, there's got to be a loophole for this. And so maybe it's a misinterpretation. Maybe it's a mistranslation. Maybe something's been missed here. And I don't have to take this seriously as my role to my wife. Because God, you don't, you don't know my wife. You, you don't know what I have to put up with. You don't know what I have to deal with. You know, it's not, and it's not just that time of month, God. It's all month long. God, you don't know what I have to deal with. And you're calling me to love my wife? And so God understand that we're hard-headed and we look for loopholes, decided, you know what? Those men who are sitting in Greensboro on July 7th, 2013 they need to hear this again and so I'm going to make sure that I have my friends Paul and Peter write it down again for them and so in Colossians chapter 319 we read husbands love your wives 
and do not be harsh with them. Love your wives. Guess what? Same word, same meaning. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, we need to understand the culture in which this was written was far different than the culture we live in today and far closer to what you see in some of the strict Islamic countries right now. We, we, We really would prefer not to to think that that was possible, but it was. Women were considered little more than property. Having mistresses and concubines was socially acceptable. But God stepped in and said, okay, you, the believing community, you, those who claim the name of Jesus Christ, you were to set a higher moral, social, societal standard. You are not to adopt the model that society has put out in front of you but you're to live to a lot higher standard that reflects the character of God himself. Love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Can I have, let me make a confession with you. This, I think God wrote this particularly for me because by harsh, I don't, you know, I don't mean I, I wake Nancy up in the morning and say, okay, it's time for your daily beating. That means, would mean the next morning I wouldn't wake up if I did that. <laughs> Instead, for me, this speaks to me. Literally, you could beat your wives, and it was okay to get them in line. And, and God's stepping in and saying, wait a second. Don't listen to what your society, what your culture tells you about marriage and how you ought to respond as husbands and wives. Listen to me, husbands. You love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. Don't be harsh with them. And I have a tendency at times to, to be a little short. And I, if I'm ever sick or tired, it's, it's exaggerated in my life. I tend to be, be blunt and sometimes not as considerate in my speech. This is revolutionary. In that time, these, they would have listened to these words and gone, What? You mean I can't continually beat my wife and berate my wife to keep her in line? No, love her as Christ loved the church and be be considerate. Don't be harsh with her. So husbands, let me ask you, how are you doing with this? This message is for you. It's as if God said, okay, wives, you can tune this out. Husbands, you perk up, you listen up. Next week, we deal with wives. Wives, it is important for you to notice here, it does not say, wives, make your husbands love you. We'll get to next week what God specifically says to the wives, but it never says, make your husbands love you. I do not read Cosmopolitan magazine, but it is often at the checkout stand when you go by at the grocery store or at Walmart or wherever it is that you would buy your stuff. And if you will look, try, try to avoid the pictures if you can, but if you'll look at just the articles that are written, they virtually all talk about how to make your man love you. Wives, that's not your job. 
If your husband's listening to what God says, then God's going to deal with him and he's going to be responsible to God for loving you. But it is not your job and you will be an ultra failure at it if you attempt to make your husband love you. But husbands, your obligation, your obligation as a follower of Jesus Christ is to love your wife, to truly love her, to put her needs ahead of your own needs, to not only be willing to die for her as in that poem you wrote her 20 years ago, but to be willing to live for her and to have her spiritual growth and her personal holiness as your highest priority, which means you take the reins as a spiritual leader of your home and you set an example for your children to follow and for your grandchildren to follow. How do I know how to love my wife as Christ loved the church? I want to give you a resource right now. I don't mean give it to you by putting it in your hand, but give it to you by showing it to you on the screen. There's a book that was written by Gary Chapman that's called The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. If you haven't read this book, if you don't own a copy of this book, I want to suggest you get this book, go down to the library, write it. Nobody's writing this down. Nobody's writing this down. I give you all those blanks. Write it down if you don't have it. Five love languages. What does this book tell you? This book tells you how people give and receive love, and it's not all the same. And one of the reasons that you want, you're, you're showing love, you're showing your love, you're showing love, and you're wondering why it's not being received on the other end. It's, it's that the sending and the receiving, it's like trying to, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not meshing up. I don't know if you've ever tried to put Legos together, but not all of them fit. And that's kind of the way it is with love. Sometimes you're showing love because you're trying to, you're a gift giver and that's the way you show love. But if you're, if the person on the other end is not a gift receiver and that, that doesn't say love to them, maybe acts of service say love to them, then the two things aren't meshing. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know what says I love you to your wife? You don't have to guess. So this book, it, it, go down the library, tell them to order some. You have, hey, you pay the taxes, go down there and say, hey, listen, do you have this book? No, get it. Enough of you go down there and do it. Guess what? It'll be on the shelf in multiple copies. If you get it, pass it around to someone else. No sense in everybody buying it. It's a great book. I just want to do everything I can, husbands, to encourage you to take this seriously. Some of you do a really good job of this and you're role models for others. And some of you do a pretty poor job of it. And I don't have to be the first one to tell you. You know when you look in the mirror. So it's time to hear what God says, but not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so would you pray? I want to pray right now for you husbands who who are here this morning. I want to pray for you For those of you who are sitting there and going, you know what, I'm not loving my wife as God called me to love her. I want to pray for you husbands right now. And I also want to pray for you wives who are not getting the love that God calls your husband to give you. I want to pray for you too. Let's stop right now. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus. And I first of all confess, Lord, that I am not, I'm not, I don't have it all together on this. There are times that I don't love Nancy as the way I should. And Lord, I'm sorry for that.
Continue to teach me. Continue to show me. Continue to challenge me. But Lord, I want to pray right now for husbands who are sitting out here and they're very frustrated because they know that they're not loving their wives uh, the way that Christ loved the church. And they, they're kind of feeling guilty about it right now. And maybe a little hopeless about it. And Lord, I want to pray that what you're going to do for these men today is to give them a, a spiritual booster shot. God, that you're going to intervene in their lives in a positive way to bring hope, to bring truth, and to begin to apply this in small ways throughout today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and on and on, Lord. This is something that's going to take time. It's going to take a change is going to take transformation. Lord, I pray that you're going to give these husbands here today a dogged determination that they will set their faces like flint to say, I will love my wife. I will come to understand what she needs. And I will, as God gives me the power, I will love her. Lord, I pray for the wives who are not receiving that right now, whose spiritual well is dry, whose emotional well is dry. God, I pray that you would make up what they lack, that your love would supply their needs. And God, they would trust you even in the midst of of this drought in their marriage. And Lord, instead of nagging their husbands to try to get them to love them, they will begin to pray for their husbands without ceasing and trust you to change that heart. Lord, we do thank you that we have in this Christian marriage a, a model of something greater and higher, and that is Jesus and his church. Father, we thank you that we don't have to be good enough to earn your love and to earn salvation, but instead we have to receive it through faith. And Lord, I pray for those out there who are struggling with that decision to embrace Jesus as Savior. Lord, would you draw them with cords of love to yourself even now so that there would be humility and confession and repentance and genuine change. And Lord, if you're drawing people into the life of this church to gain the support and the encouragement and the truth and the fellowship and the strength that they need. Father, would you, if you're calling them to join this church, Lord, don't let anything hinder them. God, we thank you for revealing yourself and your truth. And now we respond to it by faith. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.